Hey parents, Tim Wright here along with Dr. Michael Gurian and another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. It means so much to us uh, to have you listening along and and, uh, alerting your friends to this as well. We sure appreciate it. Uh, Today we're back with you with a listener question. And as always, it's a great question. Your questions are always really good, and we appreciate that. That's what keeps us going. And before we dive into the question, I want to take just a moment to say thanks to our sponsors because they make it possible for us to come to you free of charge. So, Michael, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. You too. Welcome. And uh, tell us a little bit about the Forge School. I know that you are working with them in some program development and so on, and they've come on to sponsor us the last few months. We're really appreciative. Tell us about them. Yes. Uh, Forge School in Tennessee, it's residential treatment for boys, 14 to 17-year-old boys. Um, they are, um, uh, uh, you know, about a about 12 to 18 months, sort of, that uh, for guys who are having issues with, it could be anything from depression, um, uh, developmental trauma, trauma response, anxiety disorders, uh, you know, kids who really need help. And Embark, this Embark Corporation runs a number of these schools. This school in particular is going to be boys only. And we're setting it up um, and they're setting it up around an adventure-based concept, so which is a great concept. And that's what I'm helping them with is sort of making it boy-friendly and that adventure-based and adventure therapy. So if anyone knows of a boy, you know, or in your own home, you have a teen boy who needs extra help, go to wonderofparenting.com. You'll see the Forge School right there. You can link to it. We sure appreciate having them on board with us now. And, of course, as always, our longtime sponsor, the Center of Place of Hope up in the Seattle area, they also do great work for Mm. all kinds of people, Um, whether you're struggling with anxiety, depression, uh, eating disorders, addictions, they are the place to start. And if you are not familiar with them at all, you can learn more about them by going to wonderofparenting.com and hit the link to the Center of Place of Hope. And Dr. Greg Jantz has written a lot of really wonderful books uh, that can help you with all these different topics. So we encourage you to check them out. If nothing else, just take a look at them and maybe send them a note and say thanks for sponsoring the Wonder of Parenting podcast. I know they would appreciate that as well. So, Michael, we have a, a, a great question today. And again, I say this all the time because they're always great questions. Um, so I'm going to, here we go. Uh, this is from a mom. She says, I'm reading, uh, saving our sons, which is a book that Michael wrote and the chapter on brain maturity. And I'm realizing both my husband and myself have been the parents who have intervened when our boys three and a half years apart have gotten too rough. I have been better about not intervening as early as I've read your books, but something in this chapter of this book at this time has brought it home more powerfully. Our oldest is now almost 18 and much stronger than his just 14-year-old brother, and their aggression often gets to a point where the oldest is done, but the youngest continues to do things to keep him engaged and then ends up getting hurt while our oldest ends up getting very angry. We often step in when we see this escalating, and I'm wondering if we should let it play out. They are both wonderful, loving boys, but in the heat of the moment, if his younger brother was hurt, I know he would feel terrible. Both my husband and I were the old, the youngest of two and had older brothers, so we always, so we can always relate to our youngest, probably down to our downfall. The oldest always feels that we take our youngest's side, although we do consciously try to see it from both perspectives. I'm sure there's some truth in this. That said, is there anything we can do now to help our oldest gain this brain maturity we seem to have kept from him by our actions? I feel so sad to have done this to him. All right, Michael, what do you say? Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I love how you always do that. <laughs> I like it. Well, you know, first thing I want to say is I have a feeling they are really good parents and that she might be being a little hard on herself. Um, uh, you know, my guess would be there's these are two boys uh, who are intense and they're just enough years apart that, that she sees danger uh, or that she and her husband see danger when they play. And of course, got to assume that the older one is bigger and stronger and all of that. And so she sees danger and so she's intervened. So if that's what she's been doing or they've been doing, you know, I, I can only applaud her because if one sees danger, and that's my basic point, if one sees danger, uh, you know, then we do have to intervene. At the same time, uh, the part where she's being hard on herself and perhaps this has happened, it sounds like what's happened is when they just start to escalate their play, or when they're just about to start wrestling or whatever it is they're doing or bopping each other on the shoulder or something that that she they have been intervening then before there's danger and um so the first thing i would say is for everyone listening how wonderful that she wrote this and then we can all learn from this that that really we don't have to intervene unless there's danger and um and then to her point the point she's making is in why because of maturity because the, the brain matures, which she's referring to, and there is a lot about this in Saving Our Sons, the brain, part of how the brain matures, which means it develops resilience um, uh, and, and even compassion, empathy, and all of these things, it does it because it does it on its own, not with adults intervening, but by experiences playing out, and then the brain learns experientially. If adults intervene quickly in everything, then you know the brain isn't learning that because because what happens is the focus goes on the adults and all that the, that brain has to do is go oh I, I wasn't supposed to do that okay I'll stop that but it hasn't really learned experientially through through the senses and through the emotions you know what it feels like to have hurt this younger brother or what it feels like to have bugged the older brother or you know the thousands of things that it needs to feel so that it develops these synapses and grows and becomes, becomes mature. So that's what she's referring to, I believe. And and um, the key is just intervene when kids are in danger. Now she does, t um, uh, and of course, parents should follow their own instincts, by the way, right? I'm throwing that out there. But if a parent, you're with your kids, if your parent has, there's some anomaly there and, and you have to intervene before danger, then fair enough, do that. But I'm just giving that as sort of a, a sort of a rule to work with. Um, then she talks about the 18-year-old, and she seems worried that he's not mature and that he hasn't gotten that maturity because they, mom and dad, intervened a lot. Now, I, I don't think that would be the case. If, he, if she thinks he is not as mature as he ought to be at 18, um, I don't think it's you know only going to be because when he played with his brother, mom and dad intervened. Um, my guess would be that that a number of things are going on, that maybe that's a small factor, but that there may be other ways in which, you know, he may be doing digital life a lot, doing lots of video games and screens, because that can keep people less mature. Um, he might not be working, you know, obviously working at 18 increases your maturity. So there's gonna be a lot of things that he could be doing to make him mature. And I'm guessing that this is a small rather than large part. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, this would probably be a good time to talk a bit about aggression nurturance and how that works, particularly with boys. Yeah, that nurturing that nurturing through aggression. So I make a distinction um, between empathy nurturance and aggression nurturance. 
And empathy nurturance is, is uh, I, I'm in an experience with someone else, I feel their pain, and um, I sort of stop what I'm doing because I feel their pain, and, um, uh, and, and that generally stops aggression, right? Because I feel their pain and I don't want to cause them any more pain. Aggression nurturance bypasses the pain a little bit, and um, it's set up inside an aggression system, and male development is very much an aggression system, um, and it's set up inside that system. So, to so being aggressive is I'm trying to influence and challenge others when I'm aggressive with them, and what I'm trying to get them to do is to maturely challenge me back, and that's another form of maturation. So, one way of maturing is empathy nurturance, where my insula, which is the part of the brain that creates mirror neurons, my insula fills up with with mirror neurons of someone else's pain, and I operate out of that. And that's certainly mature, absolutely. Um, but at the same time, aggression nurturance is just as mature. Um, it just bypasses all those mirror neurons. It says, yeah, I can see that that person's in some pain, but they're not really in a heck of a lot of pain. And I'm gonna keep challenging them because I want them to mature. I want them to challenge me back. And that's going to be a matur matur um, maturation for them. Now, obviously, an 18-year-old or 14-year-old, they're not having that process. It's unconscious for them. Um, but it's something boys do a lot of. And girls are not, you know, girls are not immune to this because girl drama, which we've talked about in other shows, what's popularly called girl drama, is a form of aggression nurturance. It's not as physical, um, but it's more verbal and it can be more behind the scenes and, and um you know, the darts can get thrown, the challenges can get made, but they're done um, sort of verbal, emotional. Whereas with guys, it can be more a part of a physical system like sports or two brothers beating each other up. Um, like you did your brothers, like I did my brother, you know, yep. when I was a kid and I got beat up <laughs> because he's two years older. So that's aggression nurturance. Now it's got a down, just like girl drama, male aggression nurturance has a downside. And, and so when, when, what I'm always trying to say to parents is when you see aggression nurturance going on, just as when you see girls getting involved in dramas, but they're not getting massively debilitated, they're actually fighting back. That's good. That's Those girl dramas are maturing them, helping them set boundaries, helping them to develop a self. Um, with boys, um, uh, when they're doing this wrestling and fighting and these sorts of things, and they're not in danger, um, then don't intervene too much. Let them let it play out so that they both get the gifts of challenge and the gifts of this nurturance because these are they're peer nurturing each other. And we have to remember that when we when we accept this and we say, okay, girls are nurturing girls, boys are nurturing boys, they're nurturing obviously boys and girls can nurture each other as well. But when we talk about aggression nurturance, normally these boys nurturing each other, we have to buy into the concept that peers do nurture peers. So, so rather than just that nurturing is top down that mom and dad nurture and and some teachers nurture, but peers don't nurture each other. Peers are constantly nurturing each other, you know, uh, and, and boys often nurture each other through aggression nurturance. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. 
Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. So, so what I hear you saying, and of course I've, I've heard you talk about this many times, that part of what aggression nurturance does, of course, it, it calls out maturity, uh, but some other words that I, I hear behind that, it's calling out um, uh, a, a sense of stick to It's calling out resilience. It's uh, calling out, uh, you know, get up, get back into the game. Uh, there are a lot of things going on through this aggression nurturance uh, that, that boys are trying to call out of each other. They're, in a sense, they're calling the hero out of each other through some of this aggression nurturance. Yeah, that's beautifully put. Yeah, I think that in in girl drama, let's say, I think girls are um, compelling resilience in each mm-hmm. other. Right. And I think with aggression nurturance, um, that boys are compelling resilience. And <clears throat> it's I mean, it's interesting. We're talking about this. This last week, I was talking to someone in in uh, high up in the military, and I won't say the branch because I'm because this is all sort of. He didn't ask for confidentiality, but I'm going to keep it confidential in that I'm not going to tell you who it was or where it was, but what he was talking about and calling me and wondering if I would do some consulting is that they have noticed that the 18 to 22 year olds that are coming in are not as resilient hmm. as they were 20 years ago, 40 hmm. years ago, right? Coming into the military in right. this particular branch. So I can't speak for all of them, but they're noticing they aren't as resilient in boot camp. They're not as resilient with the rice of passage. Uh, they're giving up. They don't have follow through. Um, uh, you know, they're they're uh, leaving, and it's the same boot camp, and it's not only the same boot camp as previously, but it's improved in that it doesn't have the hazing of 20, 30 years ago, right? I mean, it's really moved with the times. The military right. has matured with the times, and and yet they're still not resilient. These eighteen to twenty two year olds. So I mean, it's just interesting. We're doing this right after I had that conversation a few days ago. Um, and so they're noticing in the military what we're talking about here, that a lot of these people, these kids are coming up and at 18 to 22, you know, in terms of resilience, they might right now be 12. They just yeah. haven't built the resilience. And part of why they haven't built it is we have overprotected them. And as as this author of this letter is saying, maybe we've intervened too much. And, and yes, overall, American culture intervenes too much. Adults intervene too much. Um, we have to intervene when they're in danger, but we we intervene too much. So then these kids just don't become as resilient. Right, right. So I think part of what makes people nervous, and again, we've talked about this, but you can't talk about it enough, is trying to, to uh, figure out that fine line between aggression and danger and violence. Mm-hmm. So how would, how would you 
to a parent say, all right, this, this is the difference between aggression and danger or aggression and violence? Yeah. Well, violence is trying to destroy. Um, and aggression is actually, well, one way I would say it is aggression is a good word. Violence is a bad word. <laughs> so what I mean is that aggression is good. Um, we're all aggressive. And in fact, aggressive people are successful. And, you know, we definitely want to teach our kids in the panoply of things we're teaching them. We want to teach them aggression, um, just like we want to teach them empathy and we want to teach them patience and all these values. Aggression is useful. It is valuable. And it is built into the core self, the nature of every human being. So aggression is okay. And then we want to nurture it in the right ways. Violence, though, tries to destroy. So aggression is trying to mature people, build resilience, all these things we've talked about, um, challenge people. Violence is trying to destroy them. And and so to use this case study of this question that was just asked to us, what I what I could see here is that this these parents can have a discussion with these two boys and make all of this, you know, outward that maybe is inward and say, okay, that we're, we know you're going to do this with each other. And we can see the pattern. You, the younger one, are going to just keep pressing at your older brother, even when you can see the signals that he's getting really mad. And um, then he's going to get really mad. And then he's going to, you know, hit you in a, in a violent way. And that's where you cross the line. So, so we say to the, to the older one, you know, I know you know to this older one because he knows this this 18 year old he knows when he does something that it, that crosses the line from aggression to violence and it's trying to destroy now he doesn't want to destroy his brother but he he's punching him in the face maybe or he's he's pushing him so violently that the younger kid gets hurt um so now we're in into violence and so in this case study this is an easy one this is the one where we can say to them or where these parents can say to these boys the violence happens when you, I'm going to give the younger one a name, Joe, we don't know their names, Joe and John. When you, Joe, push John to this edge, he becomes violent with you. Do you, do you see it, right? Do you see the difference? So, um, and that's something every parent can use with their kids and help them see what, when they cross the line. And very often violence happens when there's anger. Right. Um, certainly among siblings, violence happens when there's anger. Uh, so the rest of it's aggression nurturance, but then it becomes violent. So I, I was, while you were talking, it wasn't that I wasn't listening. I heard you what you said, but I was looking up uh, the word aggression on dictionary.com. And of course, in the dictionary, aggression is uh, posed as a negative. All right. It's attacking right. other people. It's taking away their rights, right. uh, whatever it might be. So um, I, I'm trying to think through from a, a parent's perspective because in our world we're taught don't be aggressive. Aggressive aggressiveness is wrong, uh, and um, so how how do we sort of do do you have a way in your own mind of defining the word aggression that's different than how we see it in popular culture? Yeah, aggression is challenging others. Okay, that's violence good. is destroying others, and got it. And we have to also remember that people that people get stuck on the word um yes yeah and the word got redefined i think over the last 50 years probably because of social movements that have coalesced violence and aggression so that anything mm -hmm. that's the violent we call things that are violent actually aggression when they're not when they really are violence um however parents get this i know parents get this because um parents are are also teaching their kids to be assertive they're teaching their kids to lead 
Um, well, you can't be assertive without being aggressive. You can't lead without being aggressive. So, so you're not going to lead unless you challenge people. You're not going to be assertive unless you challenge people. It's the kids who are not assertive, who don't challenge anything. They just go along with everything, right? They're passive. They never right. challenge. They're not aggressive. And, um, and they get carried away and they, you know, that's not what we want for our kids, right? We don't want right. our kids to grow up to be completely passive. So part of maturation is actually aggression. And if people want to call it assertiveness, it's no problem. They can do that. I'm mm -hmm. just going back to the more human nature, back to the more primal words, because I think it's so important to make the distinction between aggression and violence um, so that we stop using the word aggression for things that are actually good. Yeah. Right? I'm sorry. We stop, we stop using for things that are bad and we realize how good they are and we only use the word violence for things right that are, mm -hmm. are bad right uh, so it's value how are we going to value the word aggression how are we going to value the word violence i want to value the word aggression because we're already teaching our kids to be aggressive <laughs> right well and and even this is a little off topic but even uh, in some of our conversations about social media over the last few podcasts of how easily people are hurt and so when they're confronted with a, an idea that maybe challenges their own worldview, uh, they don't have the aggressive uh, ability to stand up for themselves and either say, you know what, I got to think about that, or, or no, here's why I disagree. We just get angry at it or outraged uh, versus having this inner core of who we are. And I think that's what you're talking about, that aggression nurturance creates yeah. this inner core of who I am. I'm confident in what I believe confident enough to be challenged in what I believe and to stand up for what I believe. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, I, I think it's great you bring up social media because it, it, it of course, confuses things. I would, uh, because it's so, uh, it can be so visceral. Um, and there are things that come through on social media that aren't actually violent, you right. know, but they sure feel violent to, yep. to me let's say. And so that's okay. I think that's the right way to look at them. And, and if that feels violent to me, then I need to have the, the ability to aggressively fight back um, and or to shut off social media. I think right now the best act of aggression that most of us could practice with social media is to shut it off. Yeah. And that would be an aggressive act, right? Yeah. It, instead of social, letting social media in and being passive, we would shut it off. And I know a number of people in the election cycle shut off Twitter. Um, you know, I specifically remember that with the election. Well, that wasn't good. That's an act of aggression. If you don't like what's coming through there, then be aggressive. Shut that thing off. So mm. I think that social media even allows us to make this point. And we do have to be aggressive, but not violent. And yes. with social media, you know, being aggressive on Twitter doesn't do any good anyway. I mean, it's Twitter is its own let's pick that one is its own universe and it's going to do what it's going to do. And it really doesn't matter what we do. So that's why I say to shut it off if you right. have to. Right. Um, but you know, texting like kids texting back and forth, here's a way in which people, parents can track it. If they, you know, they should get into their kids, especially if the kids are young, parents should absolutely have the right to look at what they're doing and um, to protect them. And so, you know, your parents can look at that and go, Hmm, let's see, where's it? What was violent and what was aggressive? When my kid said such and such, texted her or him such and such, hmm, that seemed like it was aggression nurturance. But this thing seemed like it was violent speech or hate mm -hmm. speech. So even with social media, I think we can make the distinction.
Right, right. So, so I'm thinking about these parents again, and they've got their two sons. They are in a skirmish, whatever that looks like, um, and uh, really into it. How, how do you as a parent, what, what are some things that you would look for as Michael Gurian dad at two boys kind of wrestling going at it, where you would say, okay, that's good, that's good, that's aggression, oh, just cross the line, he did this, or this happened. What things would you look for that sort of say, okay, this is the time to intervene? Yeah, well, punching him in the face, you know. Okay, all um, right. Uh, throwing him violently, uh, not just pushing him off of me. I'll be the 18-year-old now, who it sounds like is where they're afraid of the violence. Um, the, you know, I'm the 18-year-old, and I'm not just pushing him away because he's in my face, but I punch him in the face or I um, I throw him across the room and he knocks against a table and the vase breaks, you know. Yeah, that's that, that that's we got to intervene before that if we're there. If we mm-hmm. can, we want to intervene before that. And of course, we want to remember that every parent has their own instincts for their kid. Right. And they can see the escalation. Um, so when it when they see the escalation and they know they've got the pattern, they've lived with these kids 18 and 14 years. So they know that they're in the pattern and, okay, they're letting it play out. Like these two parents have decided to let it play out a little more. Okay, they're letting it play out. The kids are wrestling. They're, not, they're rolling around, et cetera. But they can see the face of the 18-year-old. They can see him starting to tremble, you know, yep. in anger. And then they got to intervene before that, um, before the anger becomes violence. And so I would say that's probably for this family where the intervention would occur. Um, what what kind my of guess. What kind of, um, for lack of a better word, insults, can can boys or girls level at each other before it before it moves into violence? Oh, you mean like uh, like calling each other names? Yeah, yeah. You know, because sometimes it can be playful, sometimes it can be challenging, and then other times it goes right to their sense of who they are. And that I know that's not always an easy one to figure out. But what are some things that you would look for uh, in that sense, where language, words, insults become violent versus challenging? Uh, that's a good question and a very important one, especially with boys, because they develop their hierarchies by kind of shaming each other, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and then they often have sexual shaming in there, and parents don't even know they're doing it because they're not doing it when parents are around. Um, but they're doing, they're building their hierarchies. So so parents just have to teach their values and teach their, you know, like okay, you know, you're not going to use the N word. Uh, you're not going to call your, your brother a fag. You're going, you know, they got to tell, here are the words you're not going to use. You, those are not mm-hmm. our values in this house. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. We're going to consider that violence, um, uh, against, but, but the, the normal sort of hierarchical shaming and ritual humiliation and this kind of stuff that goes on between boys, um, usually it doesn't cause, and this is my second point is it doesn't cause the other boy to crumble, you know? In other words, he's getting hassled and he hassles the other kid back. That's usually what goes on. But if the other kid, if, if one of these kids is sort of crumbling, his face is crumbling, he's about to start to cry, you know, then you can tell, especially if he's 14 or 18, when he's, you know, he's starting to armor up anyway. Um, if he's starting to cry or crumble, then you can tell that whatever that insult was, whatever just happened, that was deep. And that needs to now get discussed. And these two brothers have to, you know, not do that. Um, right. So look for those emotional reactions. Um, and, uh, you know, and then overall, I think for this family and for all families, with teen boys, 
keep having the conversation. Uh, you can't ultimately control what they do with each other. You're not around as parents, you know, uh, but you can keep having the conversation. And that conversation is not just a behavioral one that, you know, when you behave like this, you know, I as mom don't like it. Um, it's a values one. And sometimes values and character work just as well or better with teen boys than a mom saying, I don't like it when you do that. You know, yeah, yeah right. right. I mean, because the kid is 18, he's individuating. So but the values conversation um, and the character conversation, I think keep having that and use this three and a half year gap between these two boys, you know, use it to keep having the values and character conversation so that these boys are building their own character through peer nurturance by doing what they're doing with each other. Mm -hmm. And of course, you want to begin those conversations even earlier with your kids, but there's never a bad time, time to start. Yep. Yeah, yeah, all the time. As, as soon as they're able to understand, we should yep. have our values and character conversations with them. Yeah. Well, this is such good stuff. And um, and even though it was specifically about boys, I, I think it's been helpful for parents who've got girls and the girl drama stuff. And, um, you know, I have a, a my two kids, a, a girl and a boy. And uh, so their sibling rivalry kind of stuff and their mm -hmm. discussions were, were even of a different kind than, say, two daughters or two boys. Um, but all of it in the end is sort of the same. They're, they're just trying to figure out where they belong in the family, who they are in the family. Uh, they love each other. How do they say that? And, you know, and then they hate each other the next minute. And all of that stuff is just a part of growing up and learning to navigate in the home what is going to be the world when they finally leave the house. Yeah, you're right. So, uh, Michael, this has been good stuff as always and uh, appreciate it. And we, again, we, we just want to tell you how much we appreciate you as our listeners. And um, if you enjoy these podcasts, please let your friends know about it. We do have a Facebook page. Uh, it's a Facebook group. And uh, a lot of our parents are on there, and you're just having conversations with each other, which is fantastic. And uh, that's one of the things that we hope for is you got a question, and maybe we can't get at it quickly, but maybe the folks on the, uh, the Wonder of Parenting uh, Facebook page can do that. So you just uh, search Wonder of Parenting and uh, join the group. We'd love to have you be a part of that. Or you can go to wonderparenting.com, wonderparenting.com, for all the different resources that we have for you on all things parenting and boys and girls, and also a place for you to enter in your question if you have one. So, Michael, again, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everyone. And we look forward to seeing you next time on the Wonder of Parenting podcast. America, we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.